The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I do not want to dishonor the blessed name of Jesus. I am crying out after him. I am seeking his face. But I am very troubled. I see wars and rumors of wars. I see the signs pointing to the coming of Jesus. I believe very soon. I know America is right on the edge of total financial collapse. You don't need a pastor to carry a sign and say the end is near. No, the secular economists and the news media is telling us that. Let me tell you what my heart is so desperately concerned about. I'm concerned that almost everyone I speak to about the gospel of Jesus, even those especially who call themselves Christians, are so wrapped up in their world. They are so concerned about their entertainment. They are so concerned about their lifestyle. They're so concerned about their finances that Jesus is only a secondary, maybe third, maybe fourth, maybe fifth thought. Let me ask you, how hungry are you for Jesus? Is he the uppermost thought in your mind? Is he consuming your energy as you cry out after him and seek his face? Are you fasting? Are you praying? Are you reading the word? Are you seeking the face of Jesus? If not now, when? If you're not going to do that now, when will you do it? We have been deceived. We have been deceived as a Christian church in America. I didn't want to talk about this today. In fact, I had a whole other message that I was planning on sharing with you. But the Holy Spirit just compels me to come and share this half-brother of Jesus, his message. His name was Jude. What he says to us is shocking, and we must pay very, very close attention to it. We hear the threats from Russia that they have the ability to hit America with 500 nuclear-powered weapons to annihilate this country, and I believe that will happen at some point. America will burn. Babylon will burn. I don't believe the lifestyle that we 
have become accustomed to is going to continue. We are facing a time of immense poverty, famine, breakdown of social services, breakdown of of every form of government support. We are coming to a time when your pension will no longer be there for you. Your 401k will be gone. Your social security will no longer be there for you. I mean, the Russians woke up this morning and found that their ruble had been devalued by 30%. Imagine if you have $1,000 in the bank and you wake up one morning and suddenly discover that your money has been devalued by 30, 40, 50%. What would you do? Or what would you do if you discovered it was all gone and you had no money? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ that would allow you to go into the prayer closet and submit your life into the hands of Jesus and joyfully trust him for whatever was going to happen to you? Now, if you're honest, most of you will have to say, no. Let me read this passage from the book of Jude. It's a very short book. It's just one chapter. He writes, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our sovereign and Lord. How do they deny Jesus? Well, they don't say Jesus isn't God. They say his blood does not have the power to remove all sin from your life. They've changed the grace of God into a license for immorality, saying you're always going to be a sinner. As one pastor of a large mega church here in this area said to a man who went to him, one of his congregants, who was a cocaine addict, and he said to the pastor, would you pray with me? I know I can't go to heaven with this cocaine addiction And the pastor said, no, no, that's not true. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. Jesus understands your addiction to cocaine. Don't worry about it. You're saved. You're going to go to heaven. That pastor is a liar. He has done exactly what Jude said pastors would do in our day. Now, I don't want to pick on pastors. I'm one. But the entire book of Jude deals with the pastors of the churches that were springing up around the world. He says, there are godless men, and just a minute I'll show you, he's speaking about pastors who change the grace of God into license for immorality. 
you're saved in your sin. No, we're not saved in our sin. We're saved from our sin. But see, some of you say, oh, pastor, you've preached that. I know that. No, I'm trying to go deeper. You condemn yourself when you say, I know that. You condemn yourself when you say, oh, I understand. Right. And then you fill your heart and your life with all the things of this world and the foolishness of this world, the entertainment of this world. You're not spending time hungering and weeping before God and searching after him to make sure you're ready for what's coming upon this nation. He continues, though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. That is, those who did not obey. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned them in their own home, These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the same way, these dreamers, that is, these people who believe in once saved, always saved, those who believe that they don't need to cry out after Jesus because they're already saved, so they're free to enjoy all the things that a worldly man can enjoy. You know what the Holy Spirit said to me? I'll be honest, I was was complaining a little bit. I'm not allowed to do that. The Holy Spirit said to me, you are not allowed to do what other men can do. Why? Because I was bought at a price. I am not my own. I belong to him. If you call yourself a Christian, you are not your own. You cannot do what other men and women do. You cannot watch the same shows. I actually hear of people who call themselves Christians, who watch the vampire shows, who watch the chick shows, people who call themselves Christians who feast on the devil's food. Are they spending hours seeking the face of God? No. They're spending hours playing their nickel poker smoking their cigars, laughing and talking and spending a great amount of time talking about their latest exploits, about their enjoyment as they watch their football game or their baseball game or their basketball game or whatever game happens to be played. They're dreamers. They pollute their own bodies. They reject authority and slander celestial beings. 
Verse 11. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. What way did Cain take? Cain took the way of presenting to God what he chose himself that he wanted to offer. And it was a stingy offering. Are you offering God stingy offerings? Or are you overwhelmingly opening your heart and giving freely for the work of the gospel? Are you stingy with God? And then when God rebukes you for it, do you get angry? It's my money. I can do with it what I want. No, it's not your money. It's not your life. You were bought at a price. You're not your own. That's what Paul said in Corinthians. First Corinthians. Woe to them. They've taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's heir. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. What caused Korah's downfall? His opinions. We're so quick to give our opinions to people about what we think, what we think they ought to do. You should not risk that. You should not do that. That doesn't make sense. Did the Holy Spirit tell you to do it? Then do it. Most of what I've done in my life made no sense to many people. I've been called a fanatic. I've been called crazy. I've been called dumb. I've been called extreme. You know what? I haven't, I have not even begun to be as extreme as I'm about to become. I'm asking Jesus to totally cut me off from every opinion and every worldly thing in my life and in the National Prayer Chapel and in this broadcast. I am asking Jesus, have your way in my life and in the life of the people who listen to this broadcast. I don't care what the world says about me. I don't even care what those so-called Christians say about me. I care about what Jesus says. He's the one who will judge me. My fate rests in the hands of my beloved Savior. You know, there are things that I could do, business opportunities that I could involve myself in. But see, everything takes time. And time is the one thing that is running out for this world and this earth. Time is running out for America. We don't have much time left. It is much shorter than you begin to imagine. And where will you spend eternity? Are you sure you want to spend your time on that foolishness? Or do you want to search after Jesus? 
These men are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds, that is, pastors, who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. Dead first because they produce no fruit, and then the Lord Jesus uproots them. He cuts them off, John, the 15th chapter. Twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea foaming up their shame and wandering stars. Wild, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved. Well, have you ever been on the ocean in a in a sailboat? Some time ago, I had the opportunity to sail with friends out of Bermuda, coming back, and we hit stormy weather. It was a 40-foot, 44-foot Choli, beautiful sailboat. But when the seas are disorganized and they're running at about 10 to 12 feet, you're apt to get seasick. Wild waves, disorganized. That's what he says these people are. Wild waves, disorganized. Is that your life? Is your life filled with chaos? Are you roaming? I meet so many young people who are just roaming. They'll come one time to the National Prayer Chapel, and then they'll go one time over here, and then they'll skip church for a while. Then they'll go back. They're roaming. Their hearts are searching for something, but not for Jesus. They're searching for a partner. They're searching for a job. They're searching for entertainment. They're searching, 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 but never finding the only one who can ground them. I say to these young people, stop roaming. Don't come to the prayer chapel anymore if you're going to be here one week and then blow on. Don't come. I don't want roaming people. I want people who are grounded in Jesus. I want people who rejoice in the name of the Lord. I have people who come and and they're, they're explosive about how they love Jesus. But when I ask them, what church are you a part of? Oh, I don't go to any church. I just go wherever the Spirit leads me, whatever church I happen to be close to. They're roamers. They won't find their home with Jesus. They don't understand. There's no accountability in their life. Nobody confronts them. When they come here, I do. I say, you're not grounded. Oh, I'm grounded. I'm in Jesus. No, if you're not grounded with people, you're not grounded. If you're not held accountable, 
You're full of your own opinions and your own ideas, and you think you can go wherever you want to go and do whatever you want to do. No, you were bought at a price. You belong to our Lord, and the body is his body. He's the head of the church. Well, pastor, I can't find a church that I understand. Then start one in your living room where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am. And don't do it for just your family. Invite others. Minister the word of God. You don't have to be a part of an organized church. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am, he said. The issue is, are we hidden away in Jesus, and are we seeking after his face, and are we hungry for him? And it means we have to get really honest and answer a tough question. I want to ask you, what is it that your heart is hungry for? What is it that your heart is aching for? Some of you are just fat and happy and you say, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not hungry for anything. Well, if you're not hungry for anything, you don't really know Jesus yet. If you're not hungry more for Jesus, and I tell you, I've been, I've been a, a serious Christian for many, many years. I've been enrolled in the school of the Holy Spirit almost 40 years, and before that, a Christian. I'm still so hungry for Jesus. I want more of Jesus. He's everything to me. He's my life. He's my... He's the one that I move and have my being in. Without him, I'm a dead dog. I have nothing but this external world that is going to soon pass away, that is going to be lit on fire, that's going to burn. I want Jesus, and I want a fellowship with other believers who just want Jesus. People say to me, Pastor, what denomination are you? We're not a denomination. Well, what are you? I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. And I walk with his people in peace and joy and life. But I'm still so much more hungry for Jesus. I can't get enough. I want more. I must have more of Jesus. And so, if you want more of Jesus, it's going to cost you the same thing it costs me. It takes time to have more of Jesus. Well, pastor, I don't have time. Well, then quit one of your jobs. Trust Jesus to provide your finances and seek his face. Remember, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be given to you. I testify it's true. But you're worried about your business. You're worried about your investments. You're worried about how you're going to make ends meet. You're worried about the rising food prices. You're worried, you're worried, you're worried, you're worried. No, more of Jesus. More of Jesus. 
Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts that they have done in the ungodly way and of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, he's prophesying this about people who are supposedly God followers. That's the whole context. These are people who say they follow the Lord. But it says the Lord is going to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way. But wait a minute, I thought I thought we were covered by his grace. I thought we were once saved, always saved. That's not what the scriptures teach. You're going to be judged by what you do, how you spend your time, how you spend your money. Do you read the scriptures and cry out to the Lord? Or do you fill yourself working for money, wasting time with so-called friends, filling yourself with the entertainment of this world, loving your hobbies, loving your your life. You're going to be judged by what you've done, not what... There's nothing here about imputed grace. It is either imparted as a free gift. Righteousness is imparted to us by Jesus, by his blood, as a free gift. He makes us truly righteous, even as he is righteous. It says these men are grumblers, fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. My heart has been sick many times in meetings where someone is introduced to speak, another pastor, and how they are fawned over and applauded They flatter one another for their own advantage. It does not please Jesus. Dear friends, remember that the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold, they said, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. Are you one of those men or women? Do you follow your own natural instinct? Are you really going after Jesus? I've been praying about this all weekend. I'd not planned to come and spend this time talking about it, but I was just compelled by the Spirit just moments before I came on air. The question is, 
Are you a man or woman of the Holy Spirit? Or are you a person of natural instincts where your natural instincts cause you to spend your time and energy on yourself? Where your primary concern is about you and your well-being? I talk with people and my heart is made sad because they are so full of their opinions about what should happen and how it should happen. They're full of their opinion about other people and they want to talk to me about other people and I I stop them and I say, please stop. I'm not interested in them. I want to know, where are you with Jesus? I want to know, are you willing to give up your opinions and look to Jesus? You know, life becomes very simple and very rewarding when everything in our heart is submitted to Jesus and we don't have to defend ourselves. Our opinions have been given up. We don't have to tell everybody what we think. Instead, we talk about Jesus and his glory. I'm very concerned because many of you that I speak with are so full of your own plans and your own desires, your own schedules, your own finances, your own friendships, your own goals and objectives. You really have no time for Jesus. This was, in fact, what caused Judas to walk away from Jesus. He would not follow Judas's advice And if Judas pushed into the public realm, Jesus would rebuke him. Remember when he rebuked him because of his harsh words toward Mary? When Mary had broken the costly perfume, he said, this was for my burial. You'll always have the poor with you. But he was a thief. He wanted the money and the in the treasury so he could use it for his own desires. Can you imagine stealing from Jesus that blatantly? But some of you are stealing from Jesus. You don't tithe. You don't give offerings. You're stingy with God. I ask people every once in a while when I am talking with them about Jesus, do you have a covenant of giving with Jesus? And they look at me like, I just grew a third head. What are you talking about, Pastor? Do you have a covenant for what you are going to give for the work of the gospel? Well, no. Should I? Yes. Now, I think I could show you if we took time that tithing is very much a part of the New Testament. But let's say it's not then it's even stiffer. Everything you own belongs to Jesus. 
He said to the rich young ruler, sell everything you have and come and follow me. Do you have a covenant with Jesus about how you use your money? If not, you're not serious about Jesus. You're serious about money and the world and yourself and your desires. So I'm very concerned today. This is the word from Jude. But you, dear friends, and I want to say this, you who listen regularly to this broadcast, I consider to be my family. I consider you to be dear friends. Even if we've never spoken, our hearts are bound together by our love for Jesus. He says to you, and I say to you, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Build yourselves up. That is, take time to read the scriptures, to fast, to pray, and pray in the Holy Spirit. Don't just pray any prayer you think you want to pray. Come and ask the Holy Spirit, what should I be praying? Many of us, and I include myself here, I have wearied God with my prayers because I prayed out of my own spirit. I'm not doing that anymore. I come to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, Holy Spirit, what would you have me pray that would please Jesus? And Holy Spirit, would you pray through me? Would you quicken me that I could pray a prayer that you would answer? I only pray today for one reason, and that is to have an answer. I need my prayers to be heard in the heavenlies. So I need to pray prayers that will please the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit is here to teach us how to pray. In verse 21, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. How do you keep yourself in God's love? Well, Jesus taught us that in John 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Love to God and love to others. We're not here for ourselves. We're not here to serve ourselves. We're here to love others. How do you keep yourself in God's love? as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life, we keep his commands. We fast, we pray, we give, we wait on the Lord. 
And then he speaks very specifically. Be merciful to those who doubt. Don't condemn. That's your opinion. Don't condemn others. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Love those pagans. Be merciful to them. I have a a friend. She's a young woman. Early 20s. I'm so frightened for her. She says, yes, I'm a Christian pastor. But I see the way she dresses. I see the very expensive clothing. I see the style. When I speak with her, the topics she brings up. And I say to her, you're a Christian in name, but I see by the way you dress and by what you want to talk about that you're not really interested in Jesus, are you? Well, that's that causes her concern. And she says, oh, no, I... I am concerned about Jesus. But do you work every Sunday morning so you can't fellowship with the people of God? Well, I have to work. I have to make money. Why do you have to make all of this money so you can buy these expensive clothing items? Well, that's exactly what she's doing. Her parents are paying her way at university. So she can use her money to travel, to buy expensive clothing, to pay for all of the beauty that she wants to exude. I hate even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. That was Jude's message, the half-brother of Jesus. I'm very concerned. I want to come and I want to talk about the great themes of theological truths that I find in the scriptures. But in all honesty, you've been taught too much. You've been taught too much academic information about the gospel. My life used to say, We need little heads and big feet. And I would laugh. I'd say, yes. Yes, that's true. It's walking it out that matters to Jesus, not how much knowledge you have in your head about the gospel. 
It's how you walk it out. It's how you spend your spare time. It's it's how you dedicate yourself to searching after Jesus. Fasting. Do you fast? Do you pray? I mean, do you really pray? Do you pray what the Holy Spirit gives you to pray? Do you read the scriptures recreationally, not studying it, just because you enjoy being with Jesus? Do you give? Are you generous or are you stingy? What is your standing with Jesus? If he were to come today, how would he judge your life? Are you clean? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you desire Jesus with all of your heart? Do you desire him enough to put away the things of the world and the flesh and the devil? Somebody said to me today, Pastor, I'm trying to figure out if this is something I should or should not be doing. I said, no, help me understand what you're saying. Well, I'm not sure that I should be watching this TV show. It's not inherently evil, but it doesn't lead me to Jesus. I said, so there's a check in your spirit. Well, one of the principles that the Welsh revival through Evan Roberts instituted was, if there is a question in your heart, don't do it. Don't go there. Wait on the Holy Spirit's direction. He'll tell you what to do, where to go, when to go, how to go. Do you understand what I'm saying to you today? I include myself. I have been very shallow. I don't want to live a shallow Christian. I need a much deeper understanding of the gospel of the cross and of the resurrection and of the Holy Spirit. I need more about Jesus, not in knowledge, but in the way I live, in the way I think, divesting myself of all of my opinions, my strategies, my hurts, my goals. Self has to go to the cross. Have you put self on the cross yet? Have you asked Jesus to totally take over? your so-called good Christian life? I counseled with a woman just recently. She says, oh, I'm a Christian. But as we began to talk, it was clear that it was in name only. Her life is very troubled, all kinds of drama, all kinds of Compromise with darkness? 
She doesn't know Jesus yet. She only knows a historical Jesus. She doesn't know the real Jesus who's living and ready to abide with her if she will abide with him. I don't want this world. I don't want the acclaim of this world. I want Jesus. And some of you, can I be very straight? Some of you are too busy with your work and your church. Some of you are too busy with your friends to seek after Jesus. You've replaced Jesus with your, with your church activities. You've replaced Jesus with your friends. You've replaced Jesus with your work. And you've become more and more shallow. And your love for the world has increased while your love for Jesus is dying. Please turn back to Jesus today. He is everything. Lord, I pray for every person listening right now to this broadcast. You called them to listen. You confronted them today with arrows of the Holy Spirit. I ask, Lord, that they would begin to hunger and thirst for you, Jesus, for you are the bread of life. You are the water that quenches our thirst. Lord, come and minister to the hearts of your people. Raise the temperature in our hearts of passionate love for you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, you've been listening today to Pilgrim's Progress. I want to thank each one of you who has given to cover the cost of radio for the month of February. This is the last day of February, and I am excited to tell you that two people gave sacrificially, and radio is covered for February. Now, March is going to be another question. There are 23 broadcast days in March. It's going to be almost $4,000. But my confidence in Jesus is clear. I trust him. He's called me to this radio broadcast, and he will continue it by his grace. And if you want to be a part of helping to cover this with me and with brothers and sisters, then would you be kind and generous and give? You can give by writing to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That is the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, National prayerchapel.com. Every day, things change on that website. Brother Ed is doing an awesome job. Thank you, dear Brother Ed and Song. So I invite you to go to the website. You'll find all of our videos there, podcasts. Everything will be there for you to grow in Jesus. I pray today's broadcast 
has helped you, has clarified for you, and will cause you to seek after Jesus with all of your heart. We are in such a crisis, and I I could have spent the whole time today talking about the crisis that we face in America with food shortage, with, with a financial collapse, with Russia coming at us with nuclear weapons, with with the devil coming with every evil thing. We're going to see the Nephilim again. We're going to see the giants. We're going to see incredible things. We haven't seen anything yet. But I want to come with the word and with Jesus. I'm not putting my eyes on the trauma and the crisis. My eyes are on Jesus. And he said to me, I will carry you through. He will. He'll carry you through too. Let's trust him and seek his face. God bless you. My brother, my sister, I love you. And I trust you to seek Jesus with all your heart. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.